This is Performance Delivered, insider secrets for digital marketing success with Stefan Horst and Dave Antiel. Welcome to the Performance Delivered, insider secrets for digital marketing success podcast, where we talk with marketing and agency executives and learn how they build successful businesses and their personal brand. I'm your host, Stefan Horst. The topic for today's episode is balancing performance and brand to achieve full funnel efficacy. Here to speak with me is Christian Jones, who's the SVP Marketing and Client Development at Hawthorne Advertising, a full-service agency with 30-plus years of proven success launching and growing brands. Christian has over 20 years of proven success in marketing, creative, business development, and technology. His work has been nominated for the Webby and Grammy Awards. He has managed teams worldwide from Los Angeles to London to Lagos, and has proven track record of developing successful campaigns for brand partners, including Coca-Cola, National Geographic, Airtel Wireless, Ford Motors, and Heineken. Christian, welcome to the show. Thanks, Stefan. Thanks for having me. Much appreciated. Um, Christian, before we start talking about um, you know, why balancing out performance and brand is, is, is important or how it should be done, tell us a little bit more about yourself. How did you get started in your career and, and what led you to becoming the uh, SVP marketing and client development at uh, Hawthorne Advertising? Hmm. Uh, yeah, of course. So, you know, it's, uh, I started, geez, I actually co-founded a, a music streaming company back in the late 90s during the first internet boom. And, and I got started in marketing because we, what we did was we started developing branded channels for brands. And so we were kind of putting a musical soundtrack these different brands and we were kind of pitching them and kind of launching them and kind of getting them into this very new at that time um, channel to kind of find some new uh, new audiences but also create some awareness so that's how I started and that transitioned into different creative or different strategic forays into uh, across different channels including you know radio podcasting social digital etc um, and you know eventually ended up with Hawthorne a performance advertising agency and uh, been there for about uh, Four years now, coming on five. So um, it's been a journey uh, through different aspects of it, but that's kind of how I arrived at where we are now. Interesting. Now, talking about today's topic, what do you mean by balancing brand and performance media? So when we think about brand media versus performance media, and there's always kind of been a bifurcation of that, right? It, which, which is useful, but not often as useful as it should be. So Generally speaking, we talk about brand media. We're talking about uh, media and, and the messaging within that media that's intended to create an emotional connection with that brand and to communicate the values of that brand. Not necessarily the features and benefits of the product itself, but an emotional value that the brand is like putting forth into the world and, and the consumers are to absorb that, ingest it emotionally, and then hopefully hold it near their hearts and create that brand affinity and then eventually... Um, get the brand into the consideration set. So that's kind of the, the brand aspect of it. And you see that a lot with brands like you know, Nike and Coca-Cola. Nike's not telling you what the new line of shoes are. They're selling the brand, right, clearly. When we talk about performance marketing, we start to talk about how do we measure the results of the media that we're driving. So that's going to be getting a little lower into the funnel. So now you're talking about, you know, consideration and conversion, middle and low funnel. And really that's where you're driving the aspects of features, benefits, pricing, offer configuration, and those aspects that really drive that purchase, the purchase action by the consumer. Um, and that's the performance aspect. So balancing those is really critical. And every brand's balance needs to be a little bit different depending on where they are in terms of their, 
stage of business or life cycle, for example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Now, obviously, you know, building out a brand. So if you have a new company, building out the brand awareness obviously is quite important, right? Because if you skip on that, soon there will be other companies out there that have the same product and then you have nothing to differentiate yourself from those companies. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, creating that awareness upon launch, is, of course, it's critical. And, you know, what we're seeing more and more of, I think, uh, is if you look at some of the playbooks and some of the direct-to-consumer brands that have kind of come into play in the last, say, you know, seven to ten years, what you do see is a really interesting balance of introducing the brand and creating that awareness uh, while simultaneously kind of creating these triggers that, that go back to performance marketing. So if you go and you look at some consumer brands, you're going to hit their site. You're going to see a very branded experience. You're going to see, you know, aspects that talk about the brand values and talk about the founder's story and talk about what they stand for and the authenticity behind it, which is creating that emotional connection. But you're also going to see a pop-up that says, 10% off your first purchase, sign up for this. So, so they're balancing it really well from the, from the jump, really. Um, mm -hmm. So we see, we're starting to see more and more of that. It's, it's hard to come out of the box and just do brand awareness because you may not have enough runway to get to the point where you're actually creating that, that flywheel that you'll need. Yeah. Yeah. That makes, that makes sense. Um, and you mentioned this, depending on where a company is. So if it is a company that is completely new to the market, how does the balance look like for them? I would assume there's a high investment on the brand side and then probably a much smaller investment on the performance side. Is that, is that about right? Well, yeah. I mean, but that's going to be relatively brief, right? Because once again, it, it really depends on your, the level of investment that you have. So if you have a relatively modest investment to make, you, you can't spend too much time just investing in, in brand media because you're going to be required to show some sort of return on that other than just you know, unaided awareness or aided awareness or impressions, because those are kind of really soft metrics. So I would say in the beginning, yeah, you want to lean more heavily into the brand aspect of it, but you need to have a plan to start to integrate your performance marketing, lower funnel harvesting, essentially. And it really depends on, again, what your runway is and what your budget is. So you brought up earlier, I think, in, in one of our prior conversations, Stefan, about Airbnb saying they're going to abolish their performance, performance marketing uh, allocations, which... It's interesting, right? So, did you have any? I'm curious if you have any thoughts on that before we before yeah, we I mean, jump into that. Yeah, I thought about that, and I believe that you know Airbnb has by now such a strong brand. You know, when when you go and look for for vacation rental, right? How many players mm -hmm. are there really in the U.S. market that immediately come to mind? Right? It's Airbnb and VRBO, right? Mm -hmm. So, customers have two major choices where they can go to. And I think what you said earlier about, you know, creating that emotional connection, that's what they're basically doing from a, from a brand perspective. You know, they have to go to their site anyway to find if, if, if there is inventory available at the location where someone wants to go to. So therefore, they're really putting an effort on this, 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 this connection, some, creating something special um, from a messaging perspective. I still think there's elements of performance marketing, whether they label it performance marketing or not, that's probably something else. But I think that's kind of how I look at what, what Airbnb does. I don't think they completely abolished performance marketing. Right. Well, it's, it, certainly, it certainly plays nice in, in PR, right, to, to yeah. say that. Of course. And I, I, would agree with, I would agree with you. I think that they've, I think that they've really 
Now, bear in mind, this brand has been around for, for quite a while now. I, I don't have it in front of me, but it's, it has to be at least 10 plus years, if, if, if perhaps more. Um, but they've really grown into that space to your point where they become synonymous with, it's like a Kleenex or a Band-Aid, right? The name mm-hmm. of the brand indicates, yep. you know, a, a housing rental that you can get a vacation rental. And I think they can kind of, they can spin away from their performance marketing allocations a bit more because they've taken the time to build the brand and they've actually gone through a series of steps that shows that they've matured to that level with the, with the logo redesign, with a site redesign, and with kind of this really interesting positioning of these really unique experiences where it becomes not just about a, a vacation rental, but more about creating a, a life experience for you. You know, they have these well, you can rent like a cave or you can rent some really funky weird UFO thing out in the middle of like, you know, Joshua tree or whatever. Yeah. It might be. So, uh, so they've done it and, and now they can just kind of really rely primarily on brand uh, and, and create that, that bond with the consumers. I think where you'll probably see um, continued investment from them, well, there'll be some performance aspects of it, of course, but I think you'll start to see a lot more kind of post uh, post-purchase, not only retention, but kind of creating those 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 customer touch points um, where you're kind of Airbnb is always top of mind. Where you're thinking, if if you're thinking about a vacation, you're going to think Airbnb, you know, it first, first and foremost. So yeah, that makes sense. Now, going back to allocation, how how do you mm-hmm. manage the allocation from kind of being an early or a company that, that, that needs to invest more in brand in the beginning. And then over time, obviously, as awareness increases and people start moving down the funnel, if you just think about a funnel in linear, and I think we both understand that the funnel is not linear, right? But from an explanation perspective, it makes much more sense to talk about that way. Right. But if, if they're moving down from awareness consideration to some point of action, um, how do you balance out the spend between those two areas, brand and performance. And, and are there indicators that help you to shift your budget? Yes, yes, by all means. So if we start to think, I'm, I'm trying to think of this very, you know, a, a use case. So if the goal, let's say the goal of the campaign is to um, generate leads, uh, that's kind of the first step. So it's a lead generation, let's say it's a form fill, for example. And then the second step of that conversion process would be let's say it's setting an appointment, right? So setting an appointment with someone who's going to come to your house to provide you a service as an example. And then the third aspect of that is going to be you know, actually making that conversion, that sale, right? So if you start to think about how that looks as well, if you're generating the amount of leads that you need with your, with your brand awareness drivers, right? You're getting people to come to the site. So you're measuring cost per visit and then you're measuring cost per lead. How many of those folks are actually hitting the site and then filling out the form that you need. So now you know what your cost per lead is. As you start to follow those things down, if you're generating enough leads, if you've, if you've rather I should say, Stefan, once you've optimized the visit to form fill process as best you can, you need to ensure that those appointments are being met. So now you've generated a lead, you need to make sure that the secondary stage is like driving that awareness of, I need to set the appointment, and from there, actually make the make the conversion, make the sale. So, so you're going to want to hit the individuals that are coming to the site, as an example, that don't fill out the lead form. You're going to want to use some retargeting there. So that's going to be an aspect of your performance budget, right? Yep. Because they've shown some interest, considering, but they're not quite there. So that's that's one aspect where you're going to start investing more heavily into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, obviously, if you've got you've captured an email address and the post appointment setting. 
then you're going to be able to actually, you know, use email marketing to kind of keep those people and see if you can get them to convert. So, yeah. so as they're moving further down the funnel, you're introducing new tactics, which then introduces new spends and new allocations therein. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 totally, totally. But when we talk about budget, right, and maybe we talk about it in, in percentages, right? So in the beginning, you might have 80% of your budget in brand because you need to get people or you need to first build that awareness, you know, who you are or the products that you're selling. So you spend a lot on the top part, 80% and 20% because there might be already some demand for the product service that you offer on the bottom. And you kind of want to get that off the market, right? You want to convert. But as you are building your awareness, then, you know, it's not only the paid media part that drives the awareness. It's kind of the word of mouth and other activities that you potentially don't even control. Right. That right. creates that level of awareness, which means you might no longer need 80% of awareness. You might actually at some point flip it completely and you spend 20% on brand and 80% on the bottom because the, the demand has grown so strong that you literally want to just scoop it up on the bottom. How do you identify the points when, when, when you should do that? How do you identify when you should start moving budget out of brand and moving it more into performance? Are there, are there any indicators that you, your team usually uh, uses to to identify that situation or those situations? Yeah, I, it's, it's really based, Seven, it's really based on each campaign and the KPIs they're in. So again, it, it depends on the goals. So so yes, you, you'll start with a heavier allocation in, in brand and it's going to shift over time. But eventually what you want to find is, and of course this makes sense, you, you want to find a balance wherein you're filling the top of the funnel and you're actually converting at, at the highest point that you can. Now, the, the question becomes how efficient is the brand media in filling the top of the funnel, right? And that's always gets, that gets a little bit harder to measure, right? Because you can measure a cost per visit or you could measure unaided awareness or aided awareness or, or impressions or things like that. But ultimately, you know, the messaging and the creative that's going to drive that kind of brand awareness is going to be even more critical than where you're placing that media, mm-hmm. right? So, so it's not really just a matter of like, where the media is being placed or how you're allocating for it. It's also what is the, what is the messaging that's in place that's going to drive the action that you're, that you're seeking to, uh, to cause with your consumer. Now, that being said, you know, we're, this is interesting because we're talking a lot about either brand or its performance. And that's mm-hmm. where I think there's a bit of a misnomer. I think that there's a lot of crossover and that crossover can happen with your creative. So mm-hmm. you can create some brand affinity. You can create an emotional connection with a consumer, with your creative, you can also in the same fell swoop, you can introduce some of the features and benefits of the brand. You can try to communicate within that context what problem you're solving for that consumer or what pain you're taking away from them, right? You can do that. And if you can do both of those simultaneously, that's really where you find that sweet spot. So now you're, you're addressing both ends of that funnel with one piece of creative that you can then allocate in different part, different media channels, right? Mm-hmm. So, I'm trying to think of an example that would be that would be particularly relevant. But but I think you you, you see what I mean. You you really yeah, have to yeah. strive to do strive to do both if you're in that position. Again, if you're a Nike or an Apple, you can just do brand. You don't have yeah. to talk about the new MacBook, you know, Pro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think which channel seems for me to to uh, be about what you just said, right? There's kind of a mixture between brand and, and, and performance. Um, it's, it's kind of paid search, right? When you, when you have brand searches, that is, 
they know what you brand. This is not a branding advertising. You're kind of scooping it out to convert them. But if you go on generic terms, for example, where you compete with other companies that offer the same product or service, you know, then it's mm-hmm. what the messaging tells you that makes you click on the ad, unless you are someone that just randomly starts clicking on ads, right? But that yeah. message basically will make you decide, yep, I want to look at company ABC or I don't want to look at company A. And that message might be shipping information. It might be something It's like the biggest provider of XYZ, something that that message tells you makes you action. And it's, it's not necessarily so much of a, of a performance message, I would say. It's, that's where the mixture, for me at least, yeah. comes into the picture. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, at, at Hoffman, one of the things we talk about when we think about our creative is we we so we talk about balancing the emotional and the rational mm-hmm. to create the impact that you're seeking, right? Because it, you want to be pulled. In, you want to believe at this point, particularly, especially you know, you start to get into kind of Gen Z and, and millennial consumers. They want to believe in the brand. They they, they want to have a belief in that brand is doing something that's going to be impactful. It's going to be you know, course corrective for our world, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. So there's an emotional aspect there, but you also need to communicate the rational aspects where you're going to make purchase decisions based on, you know, is this the product I need? Are the features there? Is the price right? To your point, is it free shipping? Do they donate a portion of the proceeds to a charity that I believe in? Whatever it might be, if you can communicate those things simultaneously, you, you can create the impact. So that's one of the things, again, that we really think about when we think about creative and Hawthorne, how do we, how do we balance both? And to your point, this also applies to, to the creative as it would to the media. Sometimes you're balancing heavily, you're more heavily on the brand side and the creative where you're really just kind of leaning into the emotional. And then mm-hmm. sometimes you're leaning more into the performance aspect of the creative where you're leaning into the, the rational aspects of it. So that, that balance where you are in that spectrum is what kind of allows you to, to strategically address your audience, depending on where your life cycle is as a business. Yeah, yeah, that makes that makes sense. Now, where I see problems quite often when I when I talk to clients, and, and we talk about we need to invest in brand, is, is there's a hes- they're hesitant to actually invest in something because they don't necessarily see a dollar amount immediately coming out of that investment. What I mean by yes. that is that there's there's no revenue necessarily generated, which which kind of leads me to the next point is how do you measure the brand awareness investment and connected with the performance part so that a client actually sees the value in it. Because when we, when we do performance, right, we optimize towards a cost per sale, a revenue, a return on advertising spend or whatever that hard KPI is that we yeah. use. But when we do brand, it's like always the question is like, hmm, are we looking at time on site? bounce rate, um, you know, impressions, CTR, and I'm throwing now things out, you know, yeah. that companies or, or clients want to look at, which don't make sense. But how, how do you talk to your clients when you have to say, you know what, we, we need to invest in brand to help us push the bottom, you know? Yeah, I think that's, I think that that's a, a really interesting question that uh, it's a tricky one to answer. You know, it's funny, I just, I just spoke with, with um, a global digital marketing director of a very large and, and unnamed consumer electronics brand. Mm-hmm. And they were having the same questions. How do we justify the spend on brand when I can't effectively prove out how that investment turns into ROI? Mm-hmm. And so, and I, everybody's, I, I've, talked to, I've talked to countless media managers at brands who, who struggle with the same thing strategically. How do we do it so that we know it's, 
the efficacy is there and the, and the effect is there. And, and I think um, there's a few different ways to do it. There's a few things you can look at that are pretty obvious. I mean, you can look at, you know, branded search. You know, you're starting to see a lift in branded search when a campaign goes live. That's, that's a, it's a brand driver. But there's also different models that we've put into place. We've got a data science team uh, and a business intelligence team at Hawthorne that, that does some different modeling using, you know, uh, Bayesian modeling, uh, and then a few other predictive models that we have that will show um, incrementally the effect of different channels upon the other. Now, um, that's how we like to look at it. And if we could pull those levers and show, hey, if we if we pull this lever and allocate more here, we expect to see this there. And if we do see it, and we can make that correlation, it's true, then we can say, okay, we can spend in brand because we know it, it actually starts to generate a lift in these channels. But as a standalone, Stefan, I don't you know, it's, it's hard to measure as a standalone. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, look, you know, as, as we talked earlier, I, I used to work for or within the IPG network, um, media brands. And, you know, we, we had our mathematicians that would do econometric modeling, right? And then similar to what you just yeah. said, and, and they would yeah. pull data from in-store from so many sources and then would be able to say, you know, what, you need to spend X percent on offline in this area, then you need to spend X percent on offline in this area, then you spend this percentage on online in this area, and so on. They broke it out, and then you run it, and and, and you, you you collect the information back in, and you see how you have to further fine tune things, right? You have to start at some point. But for I think for a lot of companies, and that's probably the majority. Obviously, we're not talking about the Coca Colas. They they have people right. that can do that, but for the small mid sized companies they struggle with finding answers to that. And, and unfortunately, I think I have to say most of us marketers, unless you really have, you know, a data science team in house, it's hard to really put, put, put a number down or, or to come up with an answer. And it sometimes is more a little bit of a test, right? So if we invest something on the, on the brand side, as you said, do we see an increase, for example, on the search side on brand, or do we see an increase in orders in general? Right during that time mm-hmm. when we do that, and then we compare it to a time when we don't do it, for example. Um, so there are ways to test, but there's not a system out there. I I think that you can easily just plug in and you get an answer for that. Yeah, yeah, no, I would agree with you. I think, and a lot of the things that we do as well is, is is very similar in terms of testing. So you make an assumption, you test against it. Do the results bear what your predictive model shows? And if they do, then then you know you're on the right track. And if they don't, you have to quickly pivot. So. I think to your point too, Stefan, everybody kind of works in a more iterative model these days. I think you have to. I think you can't, it's not a waterfall technique where you look at your year and you go, here's the allocation, here's the spend, we're just going to plow through it and do exactly this. You have to look at it. You're looking at it almost week over week, certainly, you know, month over month, most definitely, but you really have to be paying attention to the signs and and making small bets, you know, Mm -hmm. you make some small bets here and some small bets there and see if they start to to generate the, the KPIs that you're looking for, and then you can you can iterate. It's it's a it's a much I think it's a much much different place now that we've introduced all this all this data and the data scientists in there and the different models that we've got. It's it's become more and more complex, and it's become it demands more and more attention more and more often. I would say. Yeah, I would I would totally agree. Now, is there a post purchase conversion effect or strategy to consider in regards to this? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, I think actually that's a huge opportunity for a lot of brands. There's a lot of focus on kind of like, how do we get them down the funnel? How do we get them to convert? And then there's a bit of, you know, there's a bit of focus on retention, of course, and you're trying to keep people from churning out once you've got them on some sort of a recurring, you know, revenue model. But what I think is missing, and this is kind of a more, 
I guess it's more of a philosophical point of view, but I think where a lot of brands are missing the boat is once you've gone through the hard work to acquire these customers, how do you keep them satisfied? How do you keep them engaged with your brand aside from them just using your product? Mm-hmm. So you, you and I probably get, you know, you you sign up for a service and you're using the service and then you decide the service is not so useful anymore. You haven't been using it. You haven't really been paying attention to any of the messaging you may or may not be getting. And you say cancel. And then you get this kind of like awkward ham fisted thing. Like, why are you canceling? And you get offers for a discount or a free month or whatever it might be. <laughs> yeah. But you've already, you've already made your decision, right? You've already decided I've had enough of this. I'm canceling. Yeah. So where I think the opportunity lies is how do you create these, these touch points during the process of being a customer that goes beyond just email marketing, right? So to give an example, I think where there's an area of opportunity, and this is, it may be a little bit further into the future, particularly for a lot of smaller, smaller brands. But when you start to think about the opportunities in kind of virtual worlds, and I won't really say the, the metaverse so much because there's lots of different aspects of these virtual worlds, right? It might be Roblox or Decentraland or whatever it might be. How do you create kind of brand touch points within these virtual worlds, which you can connect your brand to that individual without it even being related to your product or service? So if I own brand X, right? Let's say my brand X is a, is a subscription service for, you know, toothbrushes, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I can create something for my users who are using my product who are in, let's just say it's Roblox as an example, um, and it's a special virtual good that signifies mm-hmm. I'm a customer of this thing or just signifies some sort of cachet or value because it's, there's some scarcity around that product, right? That's, that's a virtual good on Roblox. Now I've got users who want to get that product who are willing to engage with my brand X and then show that off in a virtual world. And so even when they're not using their toothbrush, they might be thinking about brand X. Mm-hmm. And, and those are the types of touch points that I think would really benefit some brands to start thinking about, not just in the virtual world, but in the real world as well. But it's really interesting because creating virtual goods is, is highly scalable and relatively cost effective. So yeah. as more and more people adopt it, how do you start to kind of create an entree into those places that, that creates a more frequent interaction with that brand than yeah. would, would normally be there? Yeah. Yeah. That's, a, that's, a, that's some great, great thoughts there. What it also means to me, what you just said is really understanding your customers better. Right. Instead of just yes. sending, sending all an email to everyone you have and, you know, you might say, hey, you bought last time this and then now here's something similar, etc. But finding ways for that audience segment that you're talking to, to be more engaged. And that's what, what your example, I believe, also kind of signifies is you create something in, in kind of metaverse or Roblox or whatever it is that is targeted for a specific audience. Because, you know, if you are a brand that, that covers a wide spectrum of audiences, kind of beating them over the head with one message, every audience segments is not going to be as successful as having individual messaging or experiences for the individual audience groups that you have. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. And therein lies, and I think the, you know, the idea that a lot of marketers are trying to get to, it's, it's personalization at scale. I mean, how do, you, how do you effectively do this? And I think the introduction of a lot of tools we're going to see with, with AI 
mm-hmm. being able to kind of plug these things together and create a workflow that that makes sense. I know Adobe is working pretty hard on it, and a lot of other folks are too. But you know, if you can get to that personalization scale, you can kind of create those touch points that are very unique to to each individual segment or person. Yeah. Um, you know, I would say too, one of the things I've been talking about with my colleagues um, at Hawthorne, particularly folks doing social, is is you know when you think about what's happening on social, we say social, right? We say it's this broad term, but if you think about the mindset, the qualitative mindset of individuals when they're on different social media platforms, they're very different, right? My mindset, if I'm on Instagram, is going to be very different than my mindset when I'm on Twitch or I'm on Pinterest as an example. So how do you think about, you know, Pinterest is a good example because that's, you know, creating mood boards or creating vision boards or creating, some sort of vision for something that you want to create in the future. So your mindset is already thinking about a point in the future that you want to get to, which if you're an advertiser, that seems to speak to a few different options. Like it could be insurance, right? It could be life insurance. It could be, it could be thinking about, you know, something that's going to happen in the future. Maybe you're getting ready to have a child and you're, you're considering that. So you can talk about, you know, baby products or Mm -hmm. whatever it might be. So, Thinking about the qualitative mindset of each user on each social platform and how it can provide you with some insights on where you might want to consider advertising and not just treating social as this broad brush where everything's kind of the same and you just kind of yeah. modify some creative a bit. <laughs> so, yeah, we've just we've been we've been exploring that, uh, you know, a lot internally. It's an interesting, interesting topic, I think. Yeah. Christian, unfortunately, we've come to the end of today's podcast episode. Um, I'm, I'm sure we could continue this conversation for quite a while. But thank you so much for joining me on the Performance of Podcast and sharing your thoughts on, you know, how to balance spend across brand and performance activities. Now, if people want to find out more about you, what you guys do at Hawthorne Advertising, how can they get in touch? Uh, well, you can go to hawthorneadvertising.com. Um, that's our site. There's a contact form there and just choose an own. It'll all actually get that directly as well. And then we'd be happy to uh, to have a conversation or just shoot an email directly to marketing at hawthorneadvertising.com. Perfect. As always, we'll leave that information in the show notes. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you like the Performance Delivered podcast, please subscribe to us and leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast application. If you want to find out more about Symphonic Digital, you can visit us at symphonicdigital.com or follow us on Twitter at SymphonicHQ. Thanks again and see you next time. Performance Delivered is sponsored by Symphonic Digital. Discover audience-focused and data-driven digital marketing solutions for small and medium businesses at symphonicdigital.com.